In the Wild West world of podcasting, there is one podcast that is authentic and genuine and continues to stand tall in its originality. Based on a passion for his guests, their work, and his love of podcasting, Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast get amazing, diverse, unique guests found nowhere else. The variety and quality are endless. There is something for everyone. Derek Thomas is the hero you deserve. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector. Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. Why is the carpet all wet, Todd? I don't know, Margo. Hi, my name is Nicholas Guest, and you're listening to Monday Morning Critic. Uh, Nicholas, I, I, I'm dying to ask you. So, I mean, you've said this in other interviews, but I saw it during my research. Um, you and your wife, you, your lovely wife, Pamela, bumped into Quentin Tarantino. We did. And I just found this story so fascinating because it's such a compliment to you. And it encapsulates what Quentin Tarantino is, the fan he is. Like it's he might know more about movies than anybody. I but agree. Yeah. So, so long story short, you bump into him. And what does he proceed to tell you, Nicholas? Well, this was a, the context also. We were at the BAFTA tea, uh, which gotcha. we're going to again uh this year, which is nice. But um yeah, he was talking about uh actors and I and um I said, uh yeah, I was in that movie. He said, I know. <laughs> I've seen you in all of your movies, you know, and this movie was the bell jar. And that was essentially my first movie. Maybe there was one other and I had one scene in it uh, directed by Larry Pierce based on the Sylvia Plath thing. But anyway, right. he said, I know I saw it. And then I saw you in this movie and that movie. And I mean, to say the least, it made my day. <laughs> and then he took a picture with us. I mean, it's just, as you say, he's, a fan, but he's, it's a wonderful thing when you meet somebody who really loves movies and knows movies, you know, yeah. It's more, yeah. And knows your work on a sincere basis. It's not like he had time to prepare before he met you. You know, like I, I did research on your life knowing we were going to speak. There was stuff I, I knew and things I didn't, but right. he just he randomly bumped into the, one of the greatest directors on the planet. One he happens them. to know your filmography. I think that's just such a great story. It was pretty amazing, I have to say. Uh, my, one of my other favorite facts that I that I learned was is that, um, and we're going to obviously get into Christmas vacation, and I want you to know I came prepared. Um, I want you to know that. Uh, <laughs> um, you, you know, um, is that Bill Hickey, who plays Lewis in Christmas Vacation, who is married to um, Bethany, for those listening, was your acting coach. How you freaking know. Very first acting coach. And if you wow. I will tell the story, I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so it was at HB Studios, which is iconic in, in New York City. Right. Village. And uh, a friend said, you know, try out uh, HB. And so I was assigned to Bill Hickey's class. And I go up the stairs. It's a beautiful old building, a beautiful old brownstone in the village. And uh, it's important to know they're creaky uh, floors of the staircase. So I, anyway, I get into the classroom. He's not there. And we're all waiting and waiting and waiting. And suddenly we hear 
Somebody coming up the steps, slowly but surely. He enters, he says, I woke up. I had a cup of coffee. I took the subway. When I got here, who's doing Shakespeare? I thought, this is unbelievable. So this kid who had studied with him before got up and started doing something from Hamlet. And he said, he leans forward and he said, what are you doing? And the kid said, well, I thought that Hamlet, to which he said, you knew him? <laughs> with the right teacher. Right. Then he pointed to me. I was absolutely terrified. And he said, you're doing an improv. You're in prison. That's that woman over there. She's going to play your sister. So we start to do this improv. And um, I, I'm saying, please get me out of here. I didn't do it or whatever it was. And he entered as the warden of the prison. This was wow. all spontaneous. Right. And um, I said, all right, all right, I'll calm down. And he said, I threw you a curveball, but you caught it. <laughs> it was just, it was total bliss because it was an, 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 also this evokes a whole other time. Right. You know, right. It didn't exist anymore. And he was doing a million plays at that time. You know, I saw him play. And Joan of Arc played the Dauphin, you know, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's a different time. It's really a good a good way of, of saying it. You know, in another interview, I heard you talking about um, actors. Of you mentioned Walter Matthau was at one of your plays, yeah. and um, it's my very I, to, play. Yeah, to this day, Nicholas, I, I will stand by his. I mean, he's done so many wonderful things. I will stand by the fact that his role as the coach in the original Bad News Bears, nineteen seventy seven still remains one of the best performances I've ever seen. Like he was, he was 40 years, years ahead of the curve as far as what parents were like, what coaches are like. I just, I love him in so many ways, but that's a great story too. When he approached you, right? Well, the thing is, yeah, he saw me in this play and it was, I had the honor, my God, of working with one of the greatest actresses of all time, Maureen Stapleton. Mm. This was my first play. I was directed by Anthony Perkins too. It was just wow. an amazing wow. experience. Um, but anyway, he came and actually I had dinner, dinner with him because he was a very close friend of Marines. And he said, why, 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 what were you doing with your foot during the performance? I had two scenes. I said, yeah. And he stood up and he showed me how my, he was illustrating how my foot was like kind of leaning over. I wasn't really planted on the stage. I was, cause I was nervous. So my, he said, well, straighten out the, the, your foot. You have to be, you know, he started to instruct me. And there, that was one of the first performances also. And this is Mathot, Walter Mathot, right? Mathot yeah, 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 yeah. And then people like Alan Arkin, all kinds of people came who wow. like became a sort of mentor to me and instructing, instructing out of total kindness and wisdom. You know, he was one of, I mean, Walter Mathot is really, people don't even know how versatile he was too. Right, right. right. He was a big guy and he had that voice. But he could go in and out of many different kinds of characters. Yeah. yeah. Is it, it, Nicholas, is it hard as, as an actor to develop, um, learn the craft, understand the craft, and not get starstruck? Because, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like you're at a, you were at a time of your life where you have these legends. I mean, I, mean, I am always starstruck because I, I'm in, in awe of these people, you know, and will be forever and know that the whole journey of it, it sounds a little pretentious, but it's just ongoing of like what we can learn. I got to work, for example, with John Gilgood on a movie. Right. One of the greats. And he said it took him many years to be able to walk across the stage and sit down and not be acting. I mean, and I got to see him. 
yeah. uh, was in the seventies on stage, and it was just it was the same thing with Walter Matha. They were effortless, and actually, um, I saw I watched an interview. It might have been Jimmy Cagney's last interview once, and he was asked about. Um, by the director, but anyway, this director was interviewing him. Said, "What do you think is the most important thing for an actor?" To which he said, "No strain." <laughs> I mean, I mean, Jimmy Cagney, another hero. I mean, oh, like, icon! Yeah, you don't you don't see it happening even. I mean, it's just so smooth, so so organic. Another overused word, but it was true, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really well said. You know, my last theater question is, um, you know, I had Austin Pendleton on twice, and he was talking about, uh, I think, theater in the Berkshires. And I believe that's part of your life, too, if I'm not Yes, mistaken. I worked at the Ber Berkshire Theater Festival twice. It was fantastic. Place. So, uh, is I because I, I'm I'm about 45 minutes away from the Berkshires, because you, if, if you go from Boston, I'm I'm halfway between. Yeah, so how popular is is the Berkshire still a hotbed for theater and acting? Yeah, I'm not sure, but it was huge and it was so great. So, for example, I auditioned uh, twice in New York for those things. Actually, the first time I, I was blessed, I didn't have to audition. But the second time I did audition and uh, it's just, well, you know, the town yeah, yeah. and so forth. And it's just um, it's a great place for actors. You know, there's um, and it's just, well, it's the best. I, I love Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a wonderful place. Um, you know, you were born and raised. Uh, for those listening or watching, uh, your dad worked at the embassy. Is that correct, Nicholas? And United Nations. Actually. United Nations. I'm sorry, United Nations. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah and a, was it? You mentioned that there was a lot of traveling. Was it? Was it England yes. back and forth to England, or was it other places in Europe as well? Well, it was that as well. But what what the UN had, I don't know if they still have this at that time. Um, they had there were a lot of perks. In other words, he didn't. Didn't have a big salary, but the perks uh, being were incredible. So, for example, regarding travel, if we're, depending on where you were from, in his case, England, the UN paid for us all to travel to England every other year. Right. We elected to go, which you could at that time because it was the same fare, by uh, ocean liner. So I was on all of those early ocean liners as a kid, the Queen wow. Mary and even ones earlier. And that's where I just, I mean, it was part of the experience of falling in love with the whole concept of so many different characters that were on the boat, you know, and there were kids from every country running around. And uh, again, another time it really was. And uh, then, so actually what we would do is we would get to England and then from there jump on trains and go all over Europe, which was extremely easy at that time. You know. Um, mm. Mm. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask you about before we hop into your uh, wonderful filmography is is your brother uh, Chris. For those yes. listening, was in This Is Spinal Tap, terrific actor, married to Jamie yes. Lee Curtis. Are you guys close? Do you guys talk shop? Is it that kind of rapport? I mean, no, not at all. I mean, the thing is, like, he's and I, I really understand this. He doesn't like to talk about the work. Like, what are you doing? He goes, uh, I went to the store earlier. <laughs> <laughs> About that, so that's that's fine, you know. Um, yeah, I am. I would say uh, far more gregarious, you know. Um, yeah, but um, we grew up with this my man who was not an actor, but who was very entertaining, uh, British, and so we would say good night, Dad, and he would fall to the ground, and he would say, "I'm not your father." <laughs> we grew up being entertained, it was like you know. 
uh, that was the, the milieu that we were in, utter insanity, but in a good way, I think. It was very entertaining. I imagine you guys had a great rapport growing up, right, as kids and developing, you know, I imagine it was just from the travel you're talking about. I mean, I'm not making it sound utopious, but like it it seems like we were really so fortunate, you know. Yeah. Um, I I mean, it was just remarkable. I actually have also I mean, I have a sister and I but I have a half brother I'm extremely close to who is New York, Anthony Hayden Guest, who is an extremely uh, successful journalist. And uh, so uh, when I was doing I was doing my first Broadway show in New York in 2018 and he lives there and uh, he grew up in England, but he's he's a New Yorker now. So I saw a great deal of him that year. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And your daughter um, has a is would you call it a web series uh, guest appearances, Nicholas? That's correct. And my wife and I are in it. Ed Begley is in it. His wife, Rochelle. Um, and we had the best time. There are two seasons of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she just was in New York, actually, my wife and Elizabeth, uh, and she was uh, starting to film what's going to, it's going to be a feature, in other words, we're going to, she's turning in the two, uh, ep- two series, uh, or two episodes of this series into a, a feature film, and everyone seems to be very excited about it, because you know how foreign films often are sort of episodic? Yep. That's what it would be, um, actually. Very cool. And, and and Ed Begley's been on the show too. Is he not the nicest man on the planet? Like I, I met Ed, you know, in the seventies. I mean, I've known him forever and he's just, yeah, he's just funny and kind and all, all the rest, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and like you say, another time, cause he has stories the same, same, many are, are very kind of similar to the stories you have. I've heard you tell and it's just oh, goodness. And his father, I mean, like, you know, everyone yeah. should be, it should be mandatory to see his father's films, you know, Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Super talented. Yep. Super talented. Um, you know, one of the things you are you are, you have kind of evolved into is is the voiceover work. Um, is it is it a um? How do actors perceive voiceover work, Nicholas? So if I said to you before your first voiceover job, I said, you know what? What's your take on voiceover work? How would you how would you have described it? Well, again, it's just changed dramatically. You know. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean. I just lucked into, well, in New York, I used to do like sort of little cartoonish stuff that I started, started doing and um, just to get, you know, into it a bit. Um, and, but then, and, and a bit of radio too, which was fun. Right. And I love the whole notion that you can, obviously it doesn't matter what you look like. It's just, so you can play any character, you know, it's wonderful. Um, but I came out to, I came out to LA from uh, New York and, um, I really lucked out. I started um, getting introduced to people. Um, there was a show called Animaniacs, and uh, yeah, yeah, very nice casting director on that. And I think I played a French frog. On that, <laughs> you know, and it's it's word of mouth. You know, yeah. uh, I did one line uh, for a movie called The Nude Bomb. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's kind of yeah, funny. yeah. Um, the actor from Get Smart. Um, oh, okay. Okay. One line in Russian because I I love languages, so I you know, and I'm practicing. I played the Russian president on that show, Madam Secretary. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Jump okay. into you know people from other worlds and so forth. But uh, I think what happened for me uh, it was massive luck is that it's word of mouth. You know, oh, he can do that, and and the British I use a lot, and I I lived in France for two years, so I do uh, quite a bit of work in French, which is a lot of fun. And I've started to do some German as well. It's just, 
you know, you just jump in. Um, and it, it does go back to um, the, the good fortune of having traveled and, and not been, I wasn't, afraid, I'm not afraid of, of uh, languages, other languages, do you know? If, yeah. And if yeah. I'm wrong, please correct me. I'm always saying, please tell me how to pronounce it. You know? Right. Yeah. And actually years ago I did a, something in Africa and uh, I thought I knew um, how to sing a certain song in the African, actual African language. And there was a man on the set and he said, sing it for me, Nick. No, I want to hear you sing it. <laughs> and he said, That's incorrect. And I started laughing and we hugged because I think it's really, really important as far as, you know, going forward to keep a sense of humor about yourself and to actually be in a place of, I don't know. You open yourself, open yourself up a little bit. Open yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I went back to New York at one point when I was kind of going back and forth a great deal. And I just done a TV movie and the doorman of that particular building where I was living said, Hey, Nick, I saw that movie you was in. Like, I'm supposed to believe you were at that character. Get the hell out of here. Go get me a coffee, all right? I'm sick of this. <laughs> I was laughing, and it's very freeing, as opposed to him saying, that was amazing. You were great. You know, the worst thing that could be said, you know. Yeah. Always yeah. Stative. I don't know. Maybe I was terrible. So what? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you you and you have to be open like that in any profession. You have to be open to criticism. You have to be open to because if you're closed off and you know it all, you're in big trouble. Yeah, I was on an animation job once, and there was this man who was trained wherever he was trained, and the director kept saying, "I like what you're doing, but can you do this? Can you do that?" And he refused. He's like, "I know what I'm doing. I, I <sighs> know what I'm doing. I was well trained. What are you talking about?" Now, was he hired again? No. It's annoying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, be open. Be open. That so I'm going to open myself up and ask you what this means because I, I honestly don't. So your the, your voiceover work is very extensive. Um, you know, when it com- comes to a couple entries here, Big Hero Six, Frozen, there are others. When it says additional voices, Nicholas, what does that mean? It means I'm so fortunate once again that I belong to what are effectively these improv groups and we're brought in after a film has been done and we all speak different languages and do different characters and we're there for the day. And so, for example, in the movie Frozen, uh, one one of the other actors and myself is a do the British gods rushing up towards the castle, you know, and we just do it. And Ah. so get credited, you know, uh, doing those additional things. But it's very much uh, an improv world. And oh my goodness, when I started doing that, uh, when I first in like sort of 79, 1979, people like Robin Williams uh, were coming in and doing a line or two, just fooling around. Uh, people that had been in Second City, uh, the committee, which was from San Francisco, that improv group. And so I got in early to that particular world, you know, um, and I was just. Uh, you know, I mean, I keep saying it over and over. It's probably annoying, but I was just very lucky. You know? No, it's not annoying. I mean, but I have to tell you, uh, Big Hero 6, I don't think a movie has made me get that, an uh, animated movie has made me get that emotional. That movie is spectacular. It's amazing, isn't it? What it can do. Yeah. It's, it yeah. is powerful stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and for and for the Sons of Anarchy fans listening, you're also the voice of John Teller, which is huge. Yeah. I mean, he's a he's a big part of that show. I mean, that whole that whole show revolves around his life and his actions and right. his son and what he's done. 
talk about uh, Nicholas, your experiences with Sons of Anarchy and what that was like. Well, the getting of the job is always important. So, for example, I was sitting at Universal with my wife Pam and daughter Elizabeth, and uh, I got on, uh, this message on my phone that they wanted me to audition. And I said, "Yeah, I'm going to take care of this later." And they said, "No, you're not. You're going to the studio right now to audition." Wow. I hadn't, I would not have gotten it because as it turns out, I was maybe the first or second person that the producer heard and said, yeah, let's go with that voice, you know, because often there'll be 50 voices that they're listening to, you know, but this was just another example of, I lucked into it. And it was a great experience because it was very emotional, actually. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was brilliant. You know, really the writing, the whole setup, of course, you know, which was Hamlet. Is is the process different for voiceover work, animated versus non-animated? Is it, or is it the same principle? You know, it's funny because in the beginning, I mean, this is my understanding. I could be way off. That cartoons used to be like, you know, like kind of silly voices. But yeah. it's actually gotten to a point where it really involves, quote, acting. Also, it sounds pretentious. But in a way, it's more engaging, you know, so they treat it more seriously you know right right i mean those people that did the early cartoons are geniuses every one of them you know but it's just this is a different chapter that began you know where okay let's have quote you know sort of real voices and real whatever that means but you know actual acted you know performances yeah yeah you know and i have to say uh, a very underrated entry in your filmography uh, is the Long Riders? Uh, your brother was in it. I, I want to say Randy Quaid was in it with you as well. That's brilliant. Uh, uh, very, very underrated, underrated movie. Sometimes there's movies that get lost, not because they're bad or not. They're just there's so much out there. But this is certainly one that people should unearth and and really make an effort to see. It's a really fantastic movie. Oh, thank you for that. No, that was a, a remarkable experience. And uh, yeah, Walter Hill, just brilliant, brilliant director. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I do want to jump into, speaking of Randy Quaid, I, I wanted to jump into uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, you know, it's based off of John uh, Hughes's uh, Christmas 59. Um, speaking of getting roles, how did you get this one, Nicholas? Well, it's also a fun story. Okay, so I got a, the usual call from um, my agent, uh, and um, I went over to, I think it was Warner Brothers. Uh, Jeremiah Chechik was the director. And I started to read a scene and he said, you would never say the lines like that. To which I said, actually I would. (laughs) And he said, okay, well, thank you so much. And I left and I was walking across the Warner Brothers uh, studio thinking a lot, thinking, well, that was smart, Nick. Yeah. You know, the weird thing about all of this, this whole process is that that's what he was looking for. I didn't know that. He was looking for that arrogant, terrible, you know, uh, Todd Chester. So then I was brought back, actually, and I read uh, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who's a genius, and the chemistry was there right away. You know, those all of the famous lines, we did those, you know, in a tiny office, and he, he was just listening. And then I lucked out and got to do that part, you know. And we, we that it would become what it has become. It was crazy. Uh, you keep saying luck, but I feel like unfortunate. But I feel like some of this you've earned. I think Nicholas, don't you? Don't you think you're being a little hard on yourself? <laughs> <laughs> I, tend I, I tend to be uh, a bit hard on myself. Yeah, 
Uh, speaking of people, Jeremiah Cheshik has been on the podcast. He's a very sweet oh, man, too. Very nice. Yes. Yeah. You, know, you know, it was a funny story, and you don't have to comment. It's up to you. But he, um, it's funny because Chevy has the reputation of being difficult. But I was listening to the old interview with Jeremiah about three years ago. And he had trouble with, um, oh, my God, um, Beverly D'Angelo. He, he had difficulty... Okay. Yeah, and, and I, I it's just weird because there was a the situation where Chris Columbus was supposed to direct, then he wow. went to Home Alone. There was a situation there, but um, it's just funny to listen to what people go through on a set, how things evolve, and right. he's just a very honest and, and sweet man. And he was, he you know, yeah, and even with his his experiences with her may have not been optimal. The way he told it was still full of class and very um. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 Um, why do you think this movie resonates with people so much, Nicholas? Well, for one thing, I mean, what a cast, right? I mean, some of the old timers and uh, just, I mean, just a brilliant cast. Uh, and I mean, Randy was extraordinary, but I think everyone is, is just perfect. You know? and, um, and I thought Chevy was wonderful. In it. You know, it's just sort of innocent in a way, you know, he's this big guy and, uh, um, and it was the, just the theme. It, it's like, what is Christmas about? You know, and it was, it's a really, it's, you can't get enough of it actually, but they, they, you know, you had the, 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 the quote, nasty neighbors in a sense, you know, that don't like children or any, you know, any, uh, or, or what they are, but, um, it's, it's the, the seeking of joy, and to have that joyful Christmas, you know, just that alone is a powerful thing. But, you know, back to the cast, it just was magical, you know, every single scene. Um, and that's a thing, that's a thing about movies also. Truffaut, one of my famous, of uh, my favorite, famous, but one of my favorite directors said that you could have a great script, great cast, all of it, and then for some reason it doesn't work. You know, you just don't know why, but this one did work. Um, I think it's, I really think it's, there was something so true uh, when it came to every, you know, every character in the film. Remarkable. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's, 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 it's number one by a mile, I feel like for Christmas movies, but it's the only Christmas movie I feel like that people watch year round. It's not just a seasonal thing. And it's so Nicholas, and, I, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but it's so <laughs> quotable. Like if, if I'm with my friends and, you know, randomly, if we see, the floor wet, you know, why is the, why is the floor all wet? You know, yeah. I don't know. Like it's just so fun. It's like, it's just, and it never gets old. This movie came out in 89 right? and it's still as fresh as the day it was released. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it starts with a superb script and it's yeah. a superb script. I mean, it was, you know, when I was saying the lines the way I did in that first, one, I mean, it's written that way, you know, for each character, you know? Uh, yeah. Oh, it was brilliant. Obviously. Uh, no, and and you and 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 Julie Louise Dreyfus are, are are brilliant too. I, I think you're you have the most. You know, while Shedder's full and all these other quotes are really great. Yeah, Todd and Margot have the best exchanges in the whole movie. Yeah, I mean, for my money, for my money, for my money, she's extraordinary. She really is, and so kind. Also, incredibly nice person. My God, yeah, excellent actor. And and, and Nicholas, back. You said you started to say something before, and I wanted to ask you this, but you know. You talk about the, the bad neighbors. I got to tell you, maybe it's an unpopular take, but the, the Griswolds are the ones that are the bad neighbors. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> I, and I made a list today. I'm going to tell this to Nicholas. Runs the chainsaw after dark, threatens him on multiple occasions. Uh, the, the yelling, the swearing, 
a rotting RV parked outside the house, yeah. emptying a toilet into the sewer, you right. know, breaking bedroom windows, chainsaws. Like, who is the who is the bad neighbor? You have one group that keeps to themselves. Like, I'm sorry. After years of analyzing this movie, I have no life. I'll, I'll own that. But I'm sorry. The Griswolds are the worst of the two by far. But that's what makes it so much fun, of course. Do you know, I mean, all the, the essential insanity, the chaos. You know, I mean, it's almost like a Marx Brothers movie in a way, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah, the ins and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do you does your shooting schedule and Bill Hickey's shooting schedule ever coincide? And did you have a chance to meet him then? Talk to it, him. I saw him years later, um, actually, at a performance of a very famous actress who will remain nameless. So I sat next to him. And I said, do you remember I did such and such a scene? He said he did. I don't know if he did. But he, that was also a time when, I'm referring back like the 1800s, when people spoke their mind more. Now people are very careful about saying anything critical, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, it, uh, at the uh, intermission, he turned to me and he said, Nicholas, this is a terrible play. And she's terrible. She doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> And you can't do that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My first yeah. in L.A. was like that. He was honest, and he would be leaving a screening and saying, who wrote this piece of garbage? You know, which is so refreshing. You know what I mean? And yeah. Like, oh, that was brilliant. You know, it's like everybody is like. You're so right, Nicholas, because times everything now is awesome and wonderful and brilliant and fantastic, yeah. and everyone's the next this or the next that. You're right. I mean, and I, have a, I probably have a habit of doing that, too, and it's you're right. There's an honesty that's been lost over time. Oh, my goodness. So, for example, Doris Roberts, who is brilliant, you know, Ugh. in uh, in Christmas Vacation. And I saw her on Broadway many times. But she, I'm going to connect a story here, which is difficult for me. She had this, I had the same agent that she had, the one who could voice what he felt about a movie after this. And uh, she called him one day. And he. this story was told, actually, at his memorial, the agent's memorial. And she called him up and said, Eddie, I met with the people at Paramount. What happened? They hated you. Call me later. And she fell out of her chair laughing. And that's why she stayed with him. Because in addition to having fantastic humor, he actually told her the truth, that they didn't care for her. You know, <laughs> a fantastic thing. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, they loved you. They adored you. You're the best. You know, they can't wait to work with you. Yeah. And that honesty, that refreshing, refreshing honesty, you know. And John Gilgood, who I got to work with, Peter Houston, all, all these amazing people, mm. Karen Fisher, um, played my wife in this um, uh, appointment with death. It was one of, you know, um, but John Gilgood said that um, in his day, I'm talking about like the 30s and 40s, you would go backstage. Let's say you'd seen a production of um, Romeo and Juliet, and he'd go back and he'd say, Romeo, not this time, darling. No, perhaps the next performance. <laughs> you know, you get a drink. You know, it was like amazing. You know? Yeah. So, you say, it was Carrie Fisher who played your wife, right? Is that correct? Is that yeah, that was a great experience. I mean, like, you know, Lauren Bacall, everybody, you know, all these people that you would never get to. I mean, we, it was like a 10 week or something of, you know, of 10 weeks of shooting. It was remarkable. Yeah. You know, Nicholas, it's funny because I feel like, you know, Carrie Fisher was never given enough credit for how wonderful of an actor she is. Not necessarily by her peers, sure. you know, and it's the same thing with the Christmas Vacation cast. So, yes, it's got memorable quotes and wonderful, funny, but it's like that cast is an all-star cast. The problem is, I think, not the problem, I, I, I think the actors that were in it 
we're, we're towards the end of their career versus in the in the heart of it, right? Because that is true. That is true. And I think those that really don't know understand. I mean, I think when people look back now, it's like, oh my God, this was a you know Hickey's a legendary actor. They're legendary right. actors. So, exactly. uh, and, and I think that's kind of sneakily what makes that movie in, in some ways. Yeah, that was true. By the way, also of Trading Places, you know, um, just oh another, cast, you know, um, yeah. And uh, I had a great time on that because, um, well, I mean, it was just, it was a brilliant script, great characters. And then I lucked into another thing. I'm sorry to go back to the luck thing. but No, no, absolutely not. I was in the bathroom of this building in New York City. It's called the Armory Building, actually, up on Park Avenue. And it has great acoustics. And I was in the bathroom with three of the other actors that that I was in a lot of scenes with. You know, we're the four friends of Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, right. And we started as a joke. We started singing in the bathroom, and so it's great acoustics, like the subway. You know, if you want to, right? Sing, you go up to the subway and sing. Right. And John Landis walked in and went, "That is funny. Write a song tonight, and we'll film it." And that's uh, the, one of the other actors, John uh, Robert Curtis Brown, and myself wrote the song, and we perf- we he filmed it like a day or two later. It was unbelievable. So we got writing credit. I mean, th- that was also a time of the director had power. There were people who wanted to come visit that set. And he said, no, I don't, want, I don't want anyone around. I am directing this. This is my movie. And that's a, that's a different climate now, too. Very yeah, and, 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 you know, Harry's a great character. And, and, and you know what? Um, Land- give Landis credit because there's many directors in that time that also would have said, stop it. It's my movie. I'm not listening to any ideas. Exactly. Where, he, where he was open-minded. He was like, you know... This is going to make the project better. And it's, it's too bad some people can't put their egos aside just for a moment to make the entire project better. It's really know? true. Yeah. And there was an amusing thing, and he'll remain nameless, too. There was one of the actors who became annoying to, to Landis, and um, he said, okay, so in this scene, I'm going to come down, come into the room, but I'm not going to sit. He said, what? Landis said, what? He said, I'm not going to sit. He goes, Yes, you are. <laughs> you, know, that is like, you will sit. And so it was funny though. Like, and he knew Jeremiah Chichik also knew exactly what he wanted in each scene. What a fantastic thing when when the director knows exactly what they want and they're gifted. Pretty amazing combination. And he doesn't get enough credit for for exactly. for that movie. I mean, I, I have the original poster from '86, and his name is on there. It's a wonderful poster, and it's like I was. I just saw his name before our interview and I'm like, he really, I mean, I don't know. I'm in love with this entire thing. I don't want to gush, but like, it's just, I, I feel like we, we, you know, listen, I love John Hughes. I love the Chris Columbus's of the world. They're all wonderful. Uh, Jeremiah's put a couple pretty damn good projects up on the screen. Never mind the greatest Christmas movie in history or you know what? Let me change that. One of the greatest comedies in history. Absolutely. I mean, I, he's very gifted. He really is, you know, and very kind. <laughs> it's kind uh, of Nick, Yeah. Uh, Nicholas, thank you for all this time. I have a few more questions for you, if you don't mind. Uh, um, uh, after, when, when you look back on the movie, um, what line from Todd has aged the best with you? I don't know. Mark. <laughs> 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 and I use it a lot. You know, like it's like he'll she'll ask me something, and I'll say I don't know. You know, in, in different ways depending on the context of what's happening. You know, um, it's 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 so simple, but isn't it? It's just powerful. Right, like, and, and it just it's it just like when, when I look back, it's like it, it just it just resonates so well. And how cool is that that you're you know Pamela is in the same profession as you are. Yeah. Do you guys run when it comes to different projects? Do you run lines with each other, or maybe with Elizabeth oh, yeah. as well? Would you? Yeah, she that was, 
first of all, she's brilliant and has done, you know, amazing stuff on her own. She's, you know, she worked with John Cassavetti. She worked with uh, Ilya Kazan. She played um, De Niro's secretary, you know. Uh, wow. You know, I mean, she's worked with extraordinary people and she's so gifted and, uh, and she's taught me so much. She studied with Uta Hagen and with Strasberg. You know, wow. I studied with Stella Adler. So there's just so much information. And and uh, our daughter Elizabeth, who you know, as, as I was saying, we were talking about earlier, is going to make this into a feature with Ed. Nice, and, yeah. Um, is a brilliant director, actress, everything. And uh, she is also very funny. So when we were doing the first scene of the web series, I had a line, and she said. Are you kidding? I said, what? She said, you're not really going to say it like that. So there's immediately that ability to be critical. And she helps us with auditions. So, for example, I'll start doing it and she'll say, I'm so busy. You obviously haven't worked on this. So when you're ready, we can we can do this. And that's like, yeah, we're so lucky to have, again, back to the honest thing and, and humor. Crit to honesty and humor. Top of yeah. the list. Yeah. Um, th- what's Elizabeth's take on Christmas vacation or any of your work? She loves it, but I have to say that she is brilliant herself. In yeah. I'm writing, I have to write everything down. I'll see you next Christmas, which is now on Peacock. And wow, okay. You can witness, she's such a gifted actress. And she's in Groundlings now. You know, she works, she's been doing Groundlings. and uh, Groundlings, son- is, Groundlings is a pretty prestigious group. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Wow. She's in a script writing thing with them now. And um, our son... Uh, is works on a it's, he's working on a show uh that's a continuation of the a show called on my block um i don't know if it's a tv show but yeah and he's having a good time and um so we're all sort of in this which is fun you know yeah very talented family you know it, it and it seems like it's a very similar um situation for when you were a kid growing up i feel like that's kind of what your kids went through is that i mean not some i don't know about the travel but as far as the acting and the love for theater, is, is that is that kind of so fortunate? I mean, uh, Eli Wallach was one of the great <sighs> actors of all time. He was like an uncle to me growing up, and I remember going to see a, a production of his um, the Lower East Side in New York, a small theater, and I had the good fortune of going back stage. And I said, "What's your first line?" You know, so I was, couldn't wait to hear his first line. But he was. Um, he was somebody I got to see over many years. You know, he was, he worked with us. Anyway, it's just, we were immersed uh, in a world of really gifted people. You know, um, one of the, one of the last things I want to ask you was um, when you, when you look back at your career, when you look at back at trading places and I was, cause I was thinking about you because they were giving Eddie Murphy an award at the golden globes. It was a, one of the, a lifetime yes. achievement wow. award and your, your sister-in-law was on stage and, and, you know, it made me realize a couple of things. One, how brilliant Eddie Murphy. I mean, not not that I, I just came to that conclusion, but yeah. how, br- how brilliant Eddie Murphy was. But secondly, um, how really underrated uh, Trading Places is. That was a phenomenal movie. Like, mm-hmm. like again, there's so much that came out of the 80s. You forget sometimes how good some of this stuff is. You do. And again, it, the script was superb. It really was. And, um, and an amazing, again, an amazing cast. An amazing cast. Yeah, and the old timers, you know, that was so smart to bring on the old timers. You know, like you can't go wrong, you know, when you, when they're there, and it sets a tone. And yes, one of Eddie Murphy's greatest performances of all time. 
Yeah. Also, yeah. I loved him and everything, but 48 hours, he was great in the culture. You know, it's just remarkable. Yeah. 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 Um, when you get a chance when you're with your wife or by yourself, are there, is there a, a show that you binge? Is there a movie you've seen recently that you're, or an actor that you're fond of? How do you, it, it, from a from a fan's perspective, Nicholas, is there something that you really that you really well, enjoy that you? Well, this is obscure because it's a, it's a, a quote little movie, but it's it's a, I think it's up for awards and everything. It's an Irish movie. It's actually in Gaelic, and we watched it this morning called The Quiet Girl. I think it's okay. And uh, we love uh, these movies that are just you know actor driven and uh, you know. Um, it's extraordinary. We also love Olivia Coleman, you know. Oh, she's great in The Crown. Oh, my God. She's also in the movie that takes place at a movie theater uh, outside of uh, in southern England. And uh, Empire of the Light, it's called. Yeah. It's up for, you know, awards. And we got to meet her. And she is brilliant in the movie. But when you meet her, it's immediately evident as to why she's so good. She's so present and so just and vulnerable. And uh, I mean, like it goes on and on. She's it's incredible presence, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and again, unbelievably versatile. So versatile. Yeah. And, and, you know, okay. Big time. Yeah. And, and speaking of an actor's effect, you know, I was looking at your cameo today and it's amazing how many people, you know, they, the, the videos you recorded, they're so sweet. And, and what people kind of like, how grateful they were for you to do that. Like, you know, one of them, you you went into full Todd for one of the, like, it was just, they're so sweet. Like, I don't know, to me as an actor, if I was, in, you know, I, I would, you're in an iconic movie, which most actors have a tough, I mean, it's tough to do that. And you're a working actor, which is also impossible. So you've got the best of both worlds. Don't say it was luck, it was skill. Okay. And, uh, <laughs> but, but like you are you are in one of the most iconic movies you have people that remember your roles i don't know nicholas that's the thing for me i feel like in life you want to live and leave an imprint and yeah. i feel like you've done a really good job of that oh that's very nice thank you so much yeah uh, are there any projects that you can comment on anything you wanted to say outside of the web series anything you wanted to throw out there before i let you go uh i'm just well i mean I'm just so proud. Uh, for example, our daughter is also going to be doing. She wrote a one-woman show that she's going to be doing, and um, uh, my wife and I are briefly in it. So, um, nice. Um, and that's going to be done at the theater out here. Um, I'm just. And then I had done a one-man show many years ago, um, and I'm, I'm thinking about doing it again, but I'm not sure I'm going to. I'm also writing, you know, but it's. I, I wrote about four chapters of something and that, but I've been, uh, I think COVID I thought was going to be a perfect time to continue on, but uh, I've just stopped at the moment, but I, I hope to get um, inspired again because I do want to uh, share actually with people, you know, experiences that I've had. And that's of course a way of, you know, writing it all down, you know, to pass it on. Yeah. Nicholas, help me understand how somebody can remember all that dialogue. And I know there's breaks in a one-person show. How does somebody remember all that dialogue? Like you said, your daughter's doing. I mean, I'm always fascinated by one per one person, well, one people shows. I I just don't get it. I I don't know how people can do all that. And I guess there's, there's sometimes there's breaks, but yeah. it's a lot, a lot of dialogue. Even if you don't get it word for word, it's a lot. I don't know. see. That's why I'm so. That's one of the reasons I'm so impressed by actors. Like. I wish I could do that. I yeah. I can't I can't remember two consecutive sentences. I, I I'm not like that. I, I don't know how you 
how actors do it, Nicholas. I don't know how it's done. It's it's a yeah. I mean, obviously the, the rehearsal. You know, you just rehearse and rehearse. You know, um, and then you it it. I learned early on with people like Stel Adler, you're not quote memorizing lines. You're you you um, sort of inhabit kind of the dialogue. The dialogue becomes part of where you're moving, what you're doing. Um, so, you know, when we were kids, how we'd learn a poem and recite it in class. Like, right, right, right. Moved out to the right. Yeah. That's the opposite. In other words, you have to really go to what are you saying here? What do you want? And then, incredibly enough, the dialogue starts to fall into place. And it's not as tricky. You know, it's just... Shakespeare is actually the easiest in a way because it's so perfect. It's like how you can learn a song and it sticks more easily than dialogue, just regular dialogue. Right. Um, but it's, it's that thing of where it becomes part of what you're doing. It's not, it's not what, it's not the words particularly the words that have to be there, of course, but it's, um, I, I remember actually, <laughs> this is an obscure thing that I was doing a movie once and, um, I said, I'm really having trouble with this dialogue. And it was a very nice director, too. I don't know what to do with this with this scene. What should I do? He said, thank you for sharing this. Um, we're not going to have you say any of these words. When the other actor comes in and says that, you're going to just look up and go, I don't know. I just don't know. And it was better than the full page of dialogue that I was about to go into. Wow. I mean, amazing, amazing. I mean, that's the thing about film. It's really when you're seeing, you know, these images. And um, by the way, the museum out here now that's that's open, you know, the, the Academy Museum is, is incredible. And you can go and you can see the first movies, you know, which are really just these images, you know. Right. They are. It's images. Um, but, but anyway, back to your question. So the dialogue, the, the lines... Uh, you need, I think it's important to say, no, I'm not learning lines. I'm, I'm becoming this person and this person speaks this way. You know, it's also, I, I always enjoy it uh, so much more when there's a dialect involved too, because you can just go to town with it, you know, and then you can also borrow from people you've met. Like, for example, I was once playing a Frenchman and uh, I offered him some cheese and he said, uh, Nicolas, this finally is a meaningless cheese. <laughs> totally meaningless. So I've used him a lot. Yeah. Since I've played, you know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah. Sort of embrace an attitude, and then the lines kind of come out of that. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I, I still, I still couldn't do it if my life depended on it. But like, I get what you're saying. But like, it's, it's an amazing process that you're describing. Like, it's just, it's, you know, it's, as somebody that loves movies, I can appreciate it. I'll never be able to do it. You know, it's like watching a football game. I could watch Tom Brady throw, but I'm never going to play in the NFL for 20 years. So one thing though, I do notice, obviously, in old movies, which we all know, is that the dialogue is so fast. You know, they're moving like that. I am in awe of. You know, yeah, that's really, you know, yeah. Dance, yeah, which is yeah. You know, Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on today. You know, you your work has made such a you know. I mean, you've been in my life since 1989, or even before that. But like, you know, your iconic characters, everything else. It's just like, thank you so much. You don't know how much this means to me, and I I hope I haven't wasted your time. You've been really a wonderful interview. I really enjoyed this. Thank you, Derek. I really yeah. 
Thank you for listening to Derek Thomas and Monday Morning Critic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can also connect with Monday Morning Critic on Instagram and Facebook, MDM Critic on Twitter, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever podcasts are found. All episodes available, www.mmcpodcast.com. 